Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. I am so glad you're joining me on this episode. Um, last episode, we explored uh, really the background, the Jewish background of the Gospels with a friend of mine named Aaron Couch. If you haven't had a chance to check out that episode, I'd really encourage you to do it. Reading the Bible and reading the Gospels in context, including historical context, is terribly important. So check that out if you haven't already. Um, and in this episode, we're going to look at a passage out of Galatians chapter 6. And it's a passage that was um, suggested by a supporter of the, the show. And uh, in fact, if you have p- passages that you want to study or passages that you have questions about and you would uh, love to maybe uh, have me engage with those on the the podcast, shoot those to me via email or direct message me through Instagram or even through Facebook. And just let me know that, man, I would really love to hear your thoughts on this passage or I've always struggled with. And I will try to work that in at various points. So on this particular show, we're going to look at a passage out of Galatians chapter six. And the specific line Um, The specific verse that was suggested to us is this. It's Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, and it says this, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Um, And the... Uh, the person who suggested this verse just said, man, I really love the idea behind this passage and the idea of uh, not growing weary and doing good, but to keep doing what is good uh, just seems so important, even if it's not always easy. And and so that was the rationale behind suggesting this. So what I want to do is I just want to kind of zoom out a little bit, and I want to look at the surrounding context and take that verse, put it in context, and maybe even deepen our understanding of it just a little little bit and then come back to really the rationale as to why in the world would we want to do that. All right. So Galatians chapter six, verse nine is kind of the focal point, but let's just zoom out and look at the context and let's let's zoom out to verse seven. Galatians chapter six, verse seven says this, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, this he will reap. In fact, the the verse just before that, the preceding verse is about actually um, financially supporting and taking care of people who teach the Bible. Um, That's why it's so important that we give to our local church because uh, the pastors depend on our generosity in order for them to be able to pay their bills, buy their groceries, raise their kids, all of that. And and uh, in context, in uh, Paul's day and age, th- that's just standard fare. You know, the worker is worthy of his wages, especially the one who works hard at preaching and teaching, consistent New Testament teaching. Well, that's one way in which we do good. And, and yet here in verse 7, we're broadening out that principle to just a general overall principle for life and uh, good things. And that is this, don't be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Simple little metaphor, simple analogy. You plant corn, what are you going to harvest? Corn. You plant wheat, what are you going to harvest? Wheat. What you plant in the ground is what grows, right? Whatever a man sows, meaning plants, what seeds you plant, that's what you're going to reap. That's what you're going to harvest. So if you plant corn or you plant wheat or you plant grass seed, that's what's going to grow. Okay, 
Now, that's the general principle that he's going to apply to our lives. So, look what he says in verse 8. Verse 8, he says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Um, And this paragraph that we're looking at really is like the culminating paragraph for the whole section that began in chapter 5, verse 13, where this this really contrast between sowing to the flesh or sowing to the spirit first uh, really appears is in 5.13. And so what Paul is doing here is he's concluding that with just a new Im- bit of imagery because of this metaphor of what you plant or what you sow, that's what you grow. Um, and he says at the beginning of this section in 5.13, listen to these words. Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. And that's been one of the major themes of the book of Galatians at this point, is this idea of freedom. You were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And so this really sets the trajectory and concern for the next several paragraphs in this section. You were called to freedom. Just don't use your freedom as a base camp, an opportunity for the flesh. But... Catch this, through love, serve one another. And that really has been the thesis and the theme of this whole section, and really even in our concluding paragraph that we're looking at here in this podcast. So don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But when you sow to the flesh, what happens? Right? The one who sows to his own flesh from the flesh will reap corruption. Well, what kind of corruption is that? Well, that's a variety of kinds of corruption. And what he says here in verse uh, 15 of chapter 5 is, But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. That one of the marks of sowing to the flesh is biting and uh, devouring one another. That you pick and you bite and you criticize and you fault find. That's the flesh. Or another example that he gives in the larger context of, of this is um, provoking one another. Uh, that you provoke and you uh, agitate and you irritate and you envy one another. Or uh, when you sow to the flesh, what else does that look like? Well, he lists off in chapter 5 the deeds of the flesh, the works of the flesh. He says the works of the flesh are evident. They're things like sexual immorality or impurity or sensuality, which means just living for what feels good, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, which means hostility and bitterness and strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, where you're always wanting to compete and get ahead, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like that. That's the stuff of the flesh. And so the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. The the flesh is just a dead end road. All right. And so um, sowing to the flesh is really just another way to talk about 
living according to this fallen world, living according to the ideas, the commitments, the values, the priorities, the agendas of this fallen world. Um, Sowing to the flesh is another way of talking about um, living out of your own selfish desires and your own common sense and your own resources and your own ideas about what life should be like. And he says when you do that, you're just going to reap all sorts of heartache, brokenness, destruction, and corruption. And that, my friends, is self-evident, isn't it? Just look at the people around you, read the news, um, hear the stories of people whose life are just heartbroken and brokenhearted. The fallen wisdom and the fallen resources and the brokenness of mankind leads to corruption and decay and brokenness. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Eternal life is not just a time period of life. It's a quality of life. It's God's kind of life. It's the kind of life we were meant for. Um, That phrase is roughly parallel to what Jesus said in John 10.10, that um, he came to bring life and life abundantly, that eternal life begins now. Uh, First John 5.12 says, if you have the Son, you have life. That eternal life is both a a length of life, but it's also a quality of life that begins now as God by his spirit enters in and shows us a new way of doing life. And we have life abundantly. And so the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And sowing to the spirit is just another way, again, in the larger context of talking about walking by the spirit. Galatians 5.16, walk by the Spirit. Um, Or it's another way of saying, keep in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5.24, that um, using this imagery of the things you sow, that's what you grow, right? Uh, Well, in this case, um, now we're saying walk by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, sow to the Spirit. And that means organizing your life around the Spirit arranging your life around his values, his priorities, his virtues, that you organize your life in such a way that you are sowing to the things of the Spirit. And notice, according to verse 8, we're active in that. The one who sows. We have a part to play. We cooperate with God in this. We're active in this. We must sow. That is, we make choices and we take actions by which we either sow to the flesh or we sow to the spirit. It doesn't just happen on accident. You don't become spirit-filled. You don't become spiritual simply by accident. You have to make choices to sow to the Spirit. You have to take actions that'll help you sow to the Spirit. We have a part to play because God dignifies us by inviting us to cooperate with Him in this process of becoming more and more like Jesus. So we make choices and we take actions to do that. And the longer and more consistently we make such choices and take such actions, then the more ingrained they become. They become second nature to us. They become our new default ways of reacting and responding and thinking and valuing. And all of a sudden, we are living out the very things the Spirit wants us to do. And 
Again, when you read the preceding context, you hear things like this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Right? The, those are the things the Spirit produces in us. And again, think about your home. Think about your relationship. Think about life that's marked by love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness. That's good. That's a quality of life that's superior. So if you sow to the Spirit, you will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now, that's the preceding two verses for this verse that was suggested to us by uh, uh, one of the listeners or the supporters of this podcast. And so, verse 9 now picks up out of that and says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we don't grow weary. That doing good is a key expression of life in the Spirit, right? Like the Spirit produces goodness in us. That's one of the uh, parts of the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Well, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we don't grow weary. So again, this imagery of sowing and reaping, one of the things we should be sowing is doing good. And he says, don't, don't lose heart. Don't grow discouraged. Don't get so burned out and so weary on doing good that you just want to toss in the towel and quit. In fact, remember the opening line of this whole section in Galatians chapter 5 is, through love serve one another. That's the same idea. Through love serve one another. What should be the dominant expression of our faith in Jesus? Well, it should be love for one another. And that love shows up in serving one another. And that's how we do good for one another. We serve one another. So our our operating system now, as we sow to the Spirit, is is different. Rather than looking out for ourselves and looking out what's best for ourselves, we're asking, what's best for you? We're uh, we we are regularly thinking, how can I help you? What do you need? What's in your best interest? Um, not how can I get ahead, but can I, how can I help you get ahead? Our basic default question as followers of Jesus who are sowing to the Spirit is, what does love require me to do for you? What does love require me to do for you? That is the, the key expression of a spiritual life. And Paul says, let's not lose heart in that. And when he says at the end, for in due time we will reap, like there will be a harvest. Uh, God sees, God knows, God will repay and reward. There will be a harvest. There will even be good things brought into the present if we don't grow weary. And that phrase, grow weary, is really more give up. Not just don't get tired, don't give up. We might get tired. But don't give up even when you are tired. Keep doing good even if you are weary. Don't give up. Um, That is one of the key expressions of the spiritual life. And so he ends in verse 10 by saying, So then, while we have opportunity, when we have the chance, um, as we look around and we're, we're given opportunities, let us do good to all people. Notice that, to all people. Um, One of the things that should mark us as followers of Jesus is just a a generous, benevolent, good heart that wants to do good to anybody and everybody. The nice and the not so nice. The pleasant and the unpleasant. 
Do good to the people you like and do good to those that you don't necessarily like. Do good to those who agree with you and do good to those who you're maybe a little sure they don't think straight. Maybe they've lost their mind. You don't understand how in the world they could hold those beliefs or those ideas. Do good to the people who let you in in traffic and those people who cut you off. Do good to the quiet and easy to get along with neighbor. And do good to the neighbor with the dog who barks at midnight or plays the stereo loud. Do good to the family member who makes you laugh and smile and to the family member who makes you want to pull your hair out. Do good to all people and don't give up. And he says, do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of faith. That is to fellow believers, to your fellow followers of Jesus. They are your family. That's the sense of household, to the family of faith. Be generous to them. Extend care to them. Show kindness, active kindness, not just, you know, feelings of kindness or whatever, active kindness and active care. Grant grace for their wrongs and their shortcomings. Help them, serve them. What does love require me to do for you? Through love, serve one another. That's what it means to do good to all people. Be available, listen, give, do good things for them. Why? Why should you do this? I mean, this is completely unnatural in some regards, isn't it? So why in the world should we be people who do good to all people, especially to the household of faith? Why should we do it and not give up? Well, because Jesus has done good for you. Jesus has done good to you. Uh, He even did it before you were his friend, right? Like Romans 5, while we were still estranged from Jesus, He died for us. Or Jesus' own words in Mark 8, The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. That is to do good for, to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Why should you and I be people who do good for all people? Well, because Jesus did good to and for us. And on our own, this isn't natural. It's not really possible to do good for all people and not give up. On our own natural way is this. You you wrong me? Well, then. Uh, you take advantage of me? Fine. Um, you're unkind to me? Well, then guess what? Don't expect any kindness from me, and maybe, maybe I'll be unkind to you. Right? But we are not those who sow to the natural way. We don't sow to the natural, normal, typical way people do life or our own default ways of operating. We don't sow to that. We're choosing to sow to the Spirit. And the Spirit enables us to imitate Jesus, who's been so good to us. And thus, we become the kind of people who do good to all people. We don't just think it's a good idea or even aspire to doing good to all people. We don't love just people in general. No, we love the people in our life in particular. We actually do good to all people through love. We serve one another. Why? Because that's what Jesus did for us. And so Galatians 6, 9, let us do good to all people. Let us do good to all people and not give up not grow weary, not lose heart. So keep doing good to everybody because that's what Jesus did 
for you. Hey, thanks so much for being a part of the Bible and Life family. Thanks for listening and supporting this show. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, uh, go ahead right now and just click subscribe and maybe share this with a friend and uh, that you think would really benefit from this and uh, pass it on in whatever way on social media or just word of mouth. Share the, the podcast with a friend. And if you if you want to support the show and support my Bible teaching ministry, feel free to do that. You can do that right on my website. There's a donate button. You can just give a PayPal donation there or if you want to support more consistently and regularly, you can actually be a patron of the Bible and Life podcast over on my Patreon page. Become a patron for as little as $5 a month or more. Um, and I try to put out a bonus podcast every month there on that page and just some other teaching. So whatever way you can can share this show and support the show, that would be awesome. If nothing else, it would be great if you would pray for me, pray for my family, pray for the Bible and Life podcast that more and more people could come to uh, listen to the show, find this show on iTunes or wherever and, and begin to listen to it. It just is so encouraging to me to see people listening really all over the world, which is just crazy to me. So thanks for your support. Thanks for your encouragement. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next time on The Bible and Life.